Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Thanking you for being here because we're going to take a look at some of the deep. There's a bit. There's a big debate over what Hitler actually believed. He's he's one of the most consequential figures, of course, of the 20th century. Even today, he continues to be uh, spoken of as the embodiment of evil. We, we live in a society that no longer, you know, has much to say about Satan. But it needs some standard of evil, so it's usually Hitler. Hitler becomes the criterion. You know, that's the worst you can get, and that's one reason it's so silly to to watch what's been going on in the political world, uh, at least since two thousand. Well, since two thousand four, at least, uh, when George W. Bush began to be talked about as a Hitler, and then there was Obama who was talked about as a Hitler, and of course. Donald Trump, who's talked about as a Hitler, it goes to show how uncivil our civic conversations have become. In mid-January of 1940, Hitler and his colleagues were talking about the problem of churches. Many churches didn't want to cooperate with the Third Reich because the Third Reich was declaring the thousand-year kingdom, right, the millennium, and lots of churches believed that there was another kingdom coming, and its and its and its Lord was not Hitler; it was Jesus. So Hitler sarca- sarcastically parodied, mocked Christian figures like Martin Niemöller, which he did in this particular conversation. Niemöller was the Lutheran pastor who was an outspoken critic and foe of Hitler. In fact, he spent the last seven years of Nazi rule in concentration camps. You probably have heard his most famous quote. It goes like this. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. There are various versions of it, but that's the version that shows up in the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. But back to Hitler's conversation about Niemöller and Christianity, with his uh, inner circle in mid-January of 1940. Someone in the group said to Hitler, you know, by the way, Mein Fuhrer, you've never openly stated your belief uh, in God or what you do ultimately believe in. And in fact, there was a huge discrepancy between Hitler's private hostility and hatred towards Christianity and his public image, which he tried to make somewhat pious. His inner circle was also filled with haters of Christianity. Uh, so, because, as as you might expect, because Hitler was reluctant to be very explicit about his religious beliefs, he gets interpreted as an atheist an agnostic, a pantheist, a panentheist, a neo-pagan, an occultist, a deist. Um, There are some who called him a Christian, but that certainly is silly. I don't think Hitler cared very much about the truth claims of any philosophy or religion. 
for him. Beliefs were simply the things you had to profess in order to get what you wanted. Truth claims were not what it was about. What we do know is that Hitler often portrayed God and nature as pretty much the same kind of impersonal force. Um, Now, when he survives assassination attempts, he actually invokes providence because he wants to give the impression that he was specially chosen by nature, by providence, by God, for this messianic mission of restoring the German people to their top place in the hierarchy of the human. Hitler often called the laws of nature eternal and inviolable, uh, and history was not determined by uh, religion. It wasn't determined by even economics or politics. It was determined by the racial character of a given people. The way to understand the world, he thought, was through science, in particularly racial science, not religious revelation. In fact, the Nazis believed that they were the party, as I said earlier, of applied biology. It was, it was amazing. They were the leaders. The United States and the Germans were the leaders in the eugenics movement. And as I said, we think of the Nazis as monsters. They saw themselves as the political expression of biological knowledge. At the turn of the 20th century, you know, before Nazism uh, was a factor in German politics, at the turn of the century, German scientists took 50%, half, of all scientific Nobel Prizes. Even under Hitler, half the university students were in medical school. And Germans were the ones that discovered a link between smoking and lung cancer. They banned smoking in public places. Uh, they were uh, banned the overzealous use of x-rays. So they were interested in public health. But, um, you know, all that brilliance and talent ended up being built on a rotten foundation. Uh, Even before Hitler, the Christian ethic in Germany had been sidelined by speculative theories trying to discredit divine revelation, trying to discredit the existence of God, trying to discredit orthodox religion of any sort. In fact, a very new evolutionary ethic grew up in Germany. Uh, The uh, naturalist, uh, biologist, philosopher Ernst Haeckel, for instance, published a book back in, uh, I think it was 1899, called The Riddle of the Universe. And that, he was spreading a philosophy even then, and he was very popular. He was spreading an idea of evolutionary uh, philosophy, racial hygiene, and it was popularly picked up. Pre-Nazi Germany inflated Darwin's biological theory into a prescription for morality and ethics. Arnold Dodel, who was a leading German botanist, proclaimed in 1904, quote, the new worldview actually rests on the theory of evolution. On it, we have to construct a new ethics. All values will be revalued. That which preserves health is moral. Everything that wakes one sick or ugly is sin. So I think it's important to keep in mind that Hitler didn't uh, didn't come out of you know uh, nothing. He, he was product of a certain type of soil, 
in in pre-Nazi German uh, ethics were in many ways evolutionary ethics. Uh, I'm looking here at a note of mine from a a fellow named Alexander Thiel, uh, again, well-respected German philosopher who died in 1912. He said, if an act contributes to biological decline, it is immoral. If it fulfills, even even excuse me, even if it fulfills the Christian command of love and compassion, if it contributes to biological decline, it is immoral. Honor your parents, he said, should become honor your child, that it may become fit and accomplish its work in life. Ethics must rest on a scientific foundation, and that they actually went on then to uh, not just emphasize the careful selection of the best and the the reproduction of the best, they began to link this ethic with the elimination of the worst. So you actually had, in pre-Nazi Germany, a school of uh, public philosophy that proclaimed the social elimination uh, of the weak. But back to back to Hitler, because we're going to study his religion with uh, Professor Richard Weikert uh, as this hour goes on. I think the, we what we know is that in his mind, as I just laying out, and this is even pre pre Nazi Germany, there was a mindset that science was going to give us the ethics of the future. And Hitler thought that science revealed that the races were unequal, that they were locked in a struggle for existence. And that would determine that this struggle was going to determine the future destiny of humanity. And that was the basis of his morality. Um, Nature brings about biological improvement through struggle. So we must engage in conflict and eliminate the biologically degraded Moral goodness in Hitler's mind was whatever contributed to biological progress or racial purity. Evil or sin was anything that produced biological degeneration. So Hitler thought he was operating in complete harmony with uh, the cosmos, uh, the, the, the universe, the, the law of nature, uh, God, he would use that word. Killing the weak to make way for the strong was part of the divine plan. Um, murdering disabled Germans, launching uh, expansionist wars to take territory from subhuman people like the Slavs, that was not only morally permissible, it was obedience to the voice of Hitler's, quote, God. That's how nature operated, right? So we, we follow nature. We are not superior to nature. We're the product of nature. There's nothing above nature, so we must live out nature's imperatives. For Hitler, as we'll see in this upcoming conversation with Professor Weikert, he saw the next phase of evolution requiring the elimination of the unfit and a return to a mythic age of Nordic racial supremacy. He wanted to see humanity, the Aryan race, reborn. It's funny, today we have a movement within modern society, not nearly as influential as the Nazis were, 
called the transhumanist movement, and they sort of would deny that they have anything to do with Nazism. Uh, and I think that's true. But there's something they do share. They share the idea that in them, evolution has finally become conscious of itself. And now the evolutionary process must choose its next phase. We must now choose the next stage. The problem is, in their mind, there's a contradiction. Because evolution is a random, undirected process. And we are the product of random, undirected processes. And there's a a great humor in the idea that the products of random, undirected processes should now all of a sudden begin to plan and have rational processes.